Hello and welcome to episode 277 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson. And Bryson, it's another series win for the Blue Jays. They keep on rolling against a very good team in the Houston Astros. They take three out of four. We got some eventful stuff to talk about, especially early on in this series with the elephant in the room, Alec Manoa. But Bryson, how are you? Mark, I'm doing great. The series did not start off great. And something that we've kind of been, a lot of people have been talking about, it finally happened uh, throughout this week. But of course, before we get into that, like you were talking about, a huge series went over the Astros. This was a really big series too. And I think it was it was highlighted at some point in the telecast. It turns out to be very important because of the fact that the Blue Jays now have won the season series over the Astros. And we know how things have gone against the AL East and everything like that. But the fact that in some sort of scenario, the Blue Jays have a tiebreaker over the Astros, which of course are one of the teams right now included in this uh, jammed wildcard race. That's very important um, for something, of course, that could be uh, or very important at the end of the year. And of course, the Jays have lots of work to do, but they're on a roll. Another big series win, and you got to love taking three out of four from the Astros. Yeah, who knows how likely it is that the Blue Jays end up in a tiebreak scenario with the Houston Astros at the end of the season. But it's always nice just to know that they have that in their back pocket if it comes to that, especially when, you know, to be honest, even at this point in the season, they've probably, you know, not secured a loss, but they're headed towards a series season loss with every other AL East team just based on the way they've been playing. So it's encouraging that at least they have the tiebreaker against someone and with it being the Houston Astros, a team that's played really well this season. So, I I mean, that's the positive. Do we want to start with Alec Manoa, just get him out of the way? Because I feel that's the headline from this series. The Blue Jays, they send him to Pluto, basically. They send him down to the Florida Complex League, formerly the Gulf Coast League, and we're familiar with that league with that title. Um, I, I mean, this was a long time coming. You could, I, I want to say you could see it from miles away, but honestly, I didn't think the Blue Jays were going to have the guts to pull the trigger on this one. I think Alec Manoa forced their hand. Like, I think if he kept on pitching the way he had been pitching for weeks and weeks and weeks, which is poorly, badly, but not totally like absurdly bad, he would have stayed with the team. But the fact that he went out there, gave up six runs, faced nine batters, got one out in the game, the series opener against the Astros, it kind of forced the Blue Jays' hand. It made them consider the fact that, yeah, this guy is not right. We need to fix him somehow. Let's send him down somewhere where he can get the scouting tools he needs, remake his delivery, fix himself, get back to whatever the hell he was doing last season. And so I think he kind of forced the Blue Jays' hand just in the way he pitched on Monday night. Shades of the Roy Halladay treatment and the experiment. Of course, unfair to compare the two. I get it. I'm just saying, of course, it's kind of similar in how this is kind of... Do you I want guess, another comparison? Go ahead. There's the Roy Halladay side of the spectrum, yeah. and then there's the Ricky Romero side of the spectrum. Oh, I know. The Ricky Yeah, that's the <laughs> concerning part, of course. Because the numbers are very similar, too, in terms of how he started and then what happened near the tail end. So... Lots of, I guess, flashbacks for, of course, uh, Blue Jays fans from that. But the fact is, and Mark, you talked about this, and this is something that we also talked about. I want to say this gained a lot of momentum probably about three to five episodes ago where it just felt like nothing he was doing in between starts fixed anything. There was no progress being made in between starts. And then it got to the point where the more you kept throwing him out there, 
the worse it was going to do for him. And I think Monday was the cherry on top of what you saw. I mean, he looked absolutely deflated. And of course, for most of the season, that's how Alec Manoa has looked. It's been very unusual uh, seeing what's been going on. And of course, a lot of people are kind of just surprised of how quickly this kind of just backfired for Alec Manoa and what the heck happened to him. Lots of answers that are lots of questions that nobody has the answers to. And clearly the Blue Jays don't have the answer to this either. And quite frankly, I don't blame them based off what's been going on. And of course, Alec Manoa does not. I'm glad this move was made. I don't think this was necessarily something that was hinted at in terms of going to the complex league. I think more a lot of people were more kind of focused on a phantom I Elston or something where he was going to go down to AAA Buffalo. But after hearing the reasoning um, for the decision to send him to the Florida Complex League, I actually support it even more than the fa- or even more than the idea of sending him down to AAA Buffalo because of what John Shiner said and I think what Ross Atkins said about how just taking his mindset off of going out there every five days is probably something that's very important. Take that out of his mind right now. He needs a complete. Uh, full-on reset down in Florida and we know that all the resources and everything's down there so you have to imagine that they are going to look at everything I think he reports to Dunedin as early as tomorrow which would be on Friday June 9th so this is something that is necessary for Alec Manoa this is something where it feels like as of now and the way he's pitched himself into this sort of awkward situation it's it's the best course of action for him right now because again as much as he was committed to going out there every five days, he kept talking to the media about it. That's something that we talked about, Mark, in terms of how it just it was the repetition and everything like that. You can tell near, I guess, the last couple of weeks, this really started to get to him a little bit more. And it got to the fact where him doing that, going out there every five days, it was only making it worse as much as he is a competitor. And we all know how much he wants to win and everything like that. We've learned a lot about him in his uh, in his three years now. Second full season, of course, um, prior to him being demoted. Where we've learned a lot about him very quickly. And it just... It was, it was doing him more harm than good. Sending him out there every five days. He needs to go down. Reset. I know Ross Atkins came out today on Thursday. And he said it's going to be at least two times through the rotation. Mark, I don't know if you have some sort of prediction on how long he's going to be down there. For me, it's going to be way longer than two times through the rotation. I think it was more of him just saying that to get it out of the way. Now, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I don't think it's going to be two times. I think it's going to be a lot longer than that because I feel like this is something where this really needs to be handled correctly in terms of figuring him out restarting everything, and then, of course, building his way back up to being a starter so he can go out there every five days. So by the decision to demote him wherever it was, not surprised by that. It was only the best course of action for him, and you can only hope that he can regain his form because the Alec Manoa that we know of in 2021 and last year in 2022, I mean, it was Cy Young caliber, and there's no question about that. He was top five in Cy Young voting last year. Everything about him was just elite, and unfortunately, it just took a turn this year. And for some sort of unknown reason, they haven't been able to figure it out. You can only hope him going down to Dunedin is going to eventually do that. So he can come up here at some point this season and help this team uh, go to the playoffs. And of course, f- for that ultimate goal uh, in October, because that's exactly what they need out of him because of how important he is to this team coming into the season and how important he can be to this team once he is ready to come back. Yeah, there's no way this is two turns to the rotation. Like, that's an absurd idea. Like, I know Ross Atkins is probably saying that to appease some people and keep the public line of the fact that this is temporary. And, of course, it is temporary, but it's got to be longer term than this. Like, if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm telling Alec Manoa, 
to just go home for five days, for seven days, to just basically take a step back, right? He's been in this grind since middle of February and nothing's been working for him. So just relax for a little bit, get some perspective, chill out. I don't know, whatever he does to relax, take a hike, read a book. He's going to Florida so he can hang out with family where he's from, hang out with some old friends, take some time off, give it a week and then report to the Florida complex league. And yeah, this is a reset. This is just basically a total remake of his delivery. Um, I really think the Blue Jays are starting from scratch here. Obviously, they're not like totally deconstructing him and building him back up as a new pitcher, but obviously there's some big adjustments that need to be made here. So I think this is much more than a two times through the rotation fix. Like This is not just putting a Band-Aid on what Alec Manoa has been this season. This is a serious course of action for the Blue Jays to take. So I guess like, how long do you think it's going to be? Like We're both in agreement that it's longer than two times through the rotation but is this like a three week four week thing I've heard speculation and people talking about the possibility that he never returns this season which is certainly in the cards I think I don't personally believe that to be the case but it's something that could realistically unfold where do you project him coming back into the Blue Jays rotation if at all this year now this is of course is a guess yeah Okay, I think he's back at some point this year like you were talking about. We know right now the options aren't exactly great in terms of what's been going on. But it got to the fact and it got to the point that it just got to a point where who cares? Who cares about the pitching depth right now? Because this is more about fixing Manoa uh, than just wondering who's going to come up. So that I think that's the approach they ended, uh, obviously ended up taking. I think it's Bowden Francis who's going to open up on Saturday there's going to be a couple guys here and there that are going to get an opportunity. The ultimate end game, I think, for this in July is holding that spot for Hunjin Ryu when he's ready to come back. For me, if with Ryu on the way back, and I, I, you know, who knows how he's going to pitch, but he's going to get an opportunity, obviously, right now. I think the earliest, in my opinion, you see Manoa would be, and I'm talking earliest, is some point near the middle to end of July. I, I wouldn't be surprised it stretches into August. I don't know how much further past that it goes, but I just I really want this to be something where it's not rushed and they can really figure this out long term for his career as well. Because you don't want to, I guess, fast track this in terms of Florida and then nothing comes out of it. Because I think that would ultimately be a failure in terms of everything that you've done. Of course, you had to tell him the news. He had to go down to Florida. How is he going to react to it? Who knows how he reacted to it? The only thing that we know is that he was upset about it. And that's just, for me, it can't be rushed. And he's got to take his time down there. They got to take their time trying to figure out what's been going on. And when the time is ready, if the time is ready, because I still think he'll be up here at some point this year. For me, it's it's got to be later on in the summer um, around there. That That's just the earliest I see it, especially because you're sending him down there to Florida to reset everything. This isn't, a, this isn't a trip to Buffalo where it's one or two times where I can believe that statement from Ross Atkins. I think this is something that is full-on turned into a huge, I guess, project to recreate everything like you were talking about, Mark. So that's where I, I see it. And, you know, the other thing is I get it in terms of a lot of, frustration from fans towards him but like I you can't help but not root for the guy I mean I 
I'm sure you've seen it too, Mark. There's there's been just tons of backlash towards him. I feel bad personally uh, about what's been going on with him. I thought personally before this series even started. Uh, this past Monday, it was doomed from the start. I mean, we were so confident uh, in terms of our serious predictions. No matter what we chose, Monday was going to be a loss, and I think it, it just got that. Except for Jacob. It got to that, except for Jacob, of course, because <laughs> he's in last place. But it just got to a point where there was no confidence, even from us. I mean, and you have to imagine what was going through his head, everything like that. I'm sure he's taken this really difficult, and I know there's been times where he's talked to the media, he's choked up a little bit. I mean. You got you can't help but root for root for the guy, and I really want them to take their time with this. As much as his importance to this team is very important, I think this is something that needs to completely turn his career around before this. You know, hopefully this doesn't go down even further of a rabbit hole that's already gone down. So for me, I think the earliest you see him is late late summer, so maybe towards the end of July at least. So like after the All Star game, like yeah, that okay, yeah, to be more specific yeah yeah um i don't know like i i agree with you that the worst mistake the blue jays can make in this situation is rushing him back because this does need time if anything is on alec manoa's side right now it is time now that he's in the florida complex league he has time to again just pause sit figure things out um i do think he's back on this roster by august 15th like i think that's kind of the timeline the blue jays are working with like Yes, they have time on this side, but they also have to be considerate of the fact that they don't have a fifth starter right now, right? Like, we're talking about them going with Bowden Francis or a bullpen day every fifth day for weeks and weeks and weeks. This is like, as much as Ross Atkins says, two turns two turns to the rotation. Like, we could be talking about five, seven, ten starts from the bullpen or Bowden Francis or Zach Thompson or, you know, whoever you want to pick out of the roster in AAA or any of the type of waiver claim guys that the Blue Jays can make. Like, this is what we're talking about. So I think if we get to that point, like, that is the tail end of what we could expect. As much as it's not urgent, as much as the Blue Jays need to take their time and Alec Manoa needs time to figure this out, there is a major league roster crunch right now. Um, the interesting question then becomes when Hinjin Ryu gets back and assuming he's on schedule to return like late July, then you got a little bit of a roster crunch there. So that's a whole other scenario. But again, we're not, at least I'm not banking on Hinjin Ryu being healthy at that point. If he is, I'm not banking on the rest of the rotation being healthy at that point. So, you know, there's lots of moving parts in that conversation as well. And we're months away from that. But I do expect Alec Minot to be back on this roster by August 15th at the absolute latest. I think if I'm predicting like a most likely date, I think after the All-Star break is probably when he makes his return. That gives you about, what, five weeks to tinker with things, five weeks to make sure the adjustments are working. It's what you want to do. I'm sure the Blue Jays already kind of have a plan of attack of how they want to rework Manoa's delivery. And so once you kind of put that into action, once you settle into a stable, uh, reliable delivery that he can repeat over and over, I think he makes his way back. And I think it... I don't know. It's weird because he's not coming back from an injury, but I wonder if he will kind of go through the like quote unquote typical rehab path of like working his way up from he'll probably pitch in single A Dunedin and then move up to triple A Buffalo for a couple starts and then make it to the majors. Maybe like, I don't know if that would hurt his confidence by more by saying like the Blue Jays are telling him we're going to make you make these changes and then we're going to tell you 
we're not even confident in these. So you got to pitch a little before we can bring you up to the majors. So like, I don't know if that's a path they take, but bottom line, all that being said, I think after the all-star break is like the after all-star break before the trade deadline is a window. I expect him to be back in absolute latest April, uh, August 15th. Um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on Alec Manoa? I feel like, like, yeah, like there's no joy that we take in this. Like it's sad to see him not be as good as he was last year. And obviously the Blue Jays are in a worse spot now, given that they don't have him on his roster and it does create a roster crunch at the major league level. So I don't know. It's, it's a terrible situation, obviously, but you just hope that you kind of bite the bullet for the next few months and he comes back and he's who he was in 2021 and 2022. I guess the only thing I like, and this is, it's a tough question, but you know, everyone has their own fury on what went wrong. Like, do you have some sort of thing where you think it kind of like, do you believe it was mechanics, pitch clock, conf? Like, what do you think? I, I will say, I think there are too many people who think the answer is a pitch clock. Like there are so many people who just say the pitch clock is the sole and only reason behind Alec Minow's struggle this season. I think that's outrageous. Like, yeah, maybe it's a small part of it, but you're really blaming this guy from going from a, a Cy Young Award finalist to being the worst starter in the American League on like five seconds per pitch? Like, that's absurd to me. And, you know, we talk about other guys on this roster who have had struggles with the pitch clock. Like, Chris Bassett was one of those guys who really struggled in spring training in his first couple of starts of the season to figure this thing out. And then he's a professional, he's a professional athlete. He's getting paid millions of dollars a year. He figured it out. I really find it absurd, and I don't believe it at all, the fact that some people are blaming this entirely solely on the pitch clock. Again, maybe that's a small part of it. Maybe that triggered something in his mechanics that kind of latched on and he's kind of snowballed into it. But the people who think that's an easy thing to blame and he just needs to fix that problem to fix everything, I find that a bit absurd. I don't know if you're on the same page. Yeah, and... I'm with you on the part where I think it's part of it. I just, as much as we don't know the true answer, and who knows if even if he knows, I just, I think a lot of this is with his, uh, like mentally in terms of his confidence, everything like that, which is why part of this reset that they're going to attempt to do is even more beneficial that he's just completely taken out of that routine for a bit. And he's just full out resetting in Florida, like you were talking about, in terms of the environment, his surroundings, and just being able to start, you know, at the complex or the player complex and just start from square one and figure out what's been going on. You know, where where to start? Basically a starting point for him to turn this thing around. I just for me, it poured onto him a lot, um, of course, as the season has, season has progressed in terms of his confidence, in terms of just mentally. You know, I'm sure he feels the heat. I'm sure he's seen stuff. You know, I just think it's kind of a combination of a lot of that. I can't confirm its mechanics because none of us are pitching experts about that. But, I mean, you have to imagine there's some sort of issue with that as well if you're just looking at what's been going on since last year. And, of course, even going back to since that wild card game last year, it felt like it's been a different pitcher. You can even go back as far as that game and kind of, you know, question about what's been going on. But, I mean, for me, yeah, maybe it is a little bit of a, about the pitch clock, but that's not the sole reason for this. I really do think most of it is in his head, and that's the part where just this reset's going to be even more important for him and even more better to start in Florida and work his way up. And I was actually going to ask you about that, if you thought that it was going to kind of be like a rehab 
type of assignment where he's he's working his way up. And I guess the fact that he has options remaining makes this easier. So if they want to do that in some sort of case where they want to get him back into that routine at some point near the end of June, where it can start down in uh, single A and then eventually perhaps a couple starts in Buffalo, I think I think that's possible. I mean, I don't know if they it, – it, it all depends on how I think this thing progressive, but, progresses, but I definitely do see a pathway where – He's going to make a couple starts in uh, single A, make, maybe work his way up to triple A at some point, and then they're going to get him back in routine. But I do think a lot of this, or most of it for me, if I'm blaming something, it's in his head and it's his confidence, unfortunately. Yeah. If I knew the answer to what was wrong, I'd be making a whole lot more money than I'm making now. Um, let's talk a little bit about something more positive, and let's do the sweet relief segment this week. Uh, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, Bryson. My winner for the Sweet Relief Award this year, or this week, this episode, is no one. Wow. The award goes to the starting rotation. Outside of Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman, Chris Bassett, Jose Brios, absolutely phenomenal in this series against the Houston Astros, especially when you consider what went on Monday night. The fact that Alec Manoa got one out. And the bullpen had to do the rest of the work. It was crucial coming into Tuesday's game and then, of course, going into Wednesday and Thursday as well that the bullpen got rest, that the starting pitchers did their job and allowed the bullpen to sit back and relax and rest a little bit. And the Blue Jays' rotation did exactly that. They've been great for most of the season. Kevin Gosman set the tone on Tuesday night, tied a career high with 13 strikeouts, pitched seven innings, four hits, one earned run, zero walks, and again, 13 strikeouts. Crazy final line from him. Chris Bassett came out in the middle game, one of the middle games of this series. Fresh off the paternity list, fresh off becoming a new dad to another child, and eight innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, five strikeouts, zero walks. And I think the most impressive part was his pitch count, 81 pitches. We can have this debate later of whether he should have stayed in for the ninth inning to complete the game. His second complete game of the season, like who would have thought that we're talking about the possibility of a Jays starter having two complete games in 2023. Um, but that start, probably even more impressive than Kevin Gosman's start. And then finally, to wrap up this series today on Thursday, Jose Brios going six innings, four hits, two run runs, two walks, two strikeouts. And he did it all on 89 pitches. Um, yeah, the bullpen was good this series. Like, I'm not saying the bullpen wasn't great, but the pitching praise for what occurred this week deserves to go to the starting rotation because they were absolutely phenomenal. The Blue Jays were looking at a very tough series after Monday night and the starting rotation flipped the script and allowed them to win the final three games of the series and come away with, as we talked about, a very crucial series win and a very crucial season series win against a big opponent um, in the AL West. Yeah, I mean, it's just a complete turnaround because when this sort of stuff happens – in terms of these short outings where you have to burn through your bullpen early, doing it in game one of a four-game series isn't exactly ideal. And I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, when it happened on Monday night, it just my initial reaction was a lot of were just being worried about how the rest of the series was going to play out because of the fact that you, you, know, you had to do this in the first inning. And I understand that Jay Jackson was only up here because of Chris Bassett on the paternity list. 
and they were basically going to throw him out there until he couldn't throw any more pitches, and that's basically what they did. I mean, they sent him out there for over two innings, and they, you know, knowing that he was going to go down to AAA Buffalo, he gave them good, you know, a couple good innings, and of course, just burning through that bullpen in game one, and then of course the game that uh, on Tuesday, which we were all there. Knowing all of that with Kevin Gosselin on the mound, I mean, this was something that we've had lots of talks about on the podcast and off the podcast about in terms of how much are they going to stretch him this time around. And of course, the last time we did we talked about it, it was over 116 pitchers or something like that. He goes out there on Tuesday night, throws seven solid innings. I mean, 13 strikeouts. He was phenomenal again, and that's what you expect out of Kevin Gosselin. He bounces back against uh, the Astros after what happened the first time around. He only threw 101 pitches, so they didn't send him back out there for another uh, inning. I don't think that surprised us too much based on what happened the last time out, and that's what we said last time. So that's good. I mean, he goes seven innings, and you only have to use Swanson and Richards that night, which was also really good, Um, knowing that, of course, it was. It looked like it was going to be Romano until the Jays put got more insurance runs in the eighth inning, where you could th- you were able to throw out Trevor Richards to close things out. But you only go through two pitchers that day. That's a good recovery day in terms of what happened in Game One on Monday. I think that's per- a perfect or perfect uh, scenario of what happened. And then I mean with Chris Bassett, who makes his first start since uh, being placed on the paternity list with the birth of his child. Um, he goes out there eight innings. I mean. Like, that's that's pretty insane to do that back-to-back days where you talk about Gosman going seventh, Bassett going eight. And there's just there's been tons of times where he's done that this year. There's the complete game that he's thrown, and there's just been other situations where he's given this bullpen tons of innings. You want to talk about a start against the Mets that one point, everything going on in his head, and he was able to put that type of start together. I think it was seven and two-thirds he went. He comes back now five days later. He goes eight innings, and then you only have to use Jordan Romano in that game. And, of course, Romano was crucial. If you were going to do a sweet relief, that would probably be my pick in terms of him going out there back-to-back days for the save against the Astros which is obviously a tough task to ask for. But on Wednesday, you only use Romano. uh, And of course, Bassett goes eight innings. And then today, as much as Jose Brios maybe wasn't exactly sharp, he was able to put together a quality start, six good innings, struck out two, only two earned runs allowed. He's doing everything that we expected out of a comeback. Of course, not everyone was sold on that. But if he was going to bounce back and turn things around after last year, these are the starts that you're talking about where you're happy with what he's been doing and you can be confident in terms of how good of a pitcher he is and what we saw or what we were missing last year from Jose Brios. He goes out there again today against a really good Astros team and then he, you know, six innings where the second and third game were kind of more reliant on the starting pitchers. That helped tee the way for today's game, of course, in game four because he only got six innings out of Barrios and then he had to use some other guys. And, of course, Swanson, Romano, again, closed things out from the eighth to the ninth inning. So the starting pitching, shout out to those guys for really leading the way for this bullpen and, you know, carrying the bullpen throughout this series after what happened on Monday night. I agree with you, though, in terms of Gosman and Bassett. Those are the highlights for me in terms of the starting pitcher or the, the starting pitching performance throughout this series. And they were able to do that to keep the bullpen in a good state today uh, in the series finale, which was the difference maker, of course, to winning the series rather than splitting the series. So do you think Bassett should have gone out for the ninth? <laughs> it's a tough question, <laughs> but I mean, look, I'll, I'll say it again. If there's going to be anybody that could, I'm confident doing that for a complete game. It's Bassett because he does. He's done that so many times. But like, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm fine with the move they made. I probably would have done the same thing with Romano waiting there. It's just the whole closer thing. If the game, maybe if there was a couple other runs on the board, 
I would have been more confident with it, but because it was one run, you know, four times through the order, we everyone talks about all that stuff. I mean, I think for me, I'm fine with the move they made with Romano. If they were going to send him back out there, though, I would have also, I guess, supported that. But for me, if I was in John Schneider's shoes, I probably would have done the same thing. Yeah, I think you can easily make the argument either way. I think I'm on John Schneider's side on this one as much as you want to see a complete game. Like, you look at the numbers and there's no reason to push your luck. In a one-run game with the top of the lineup coming up, you got Dubon, Altuve, and of course, Jordan Alvarez as the big hitter coming up third in that inning. And you just don't, there's no reason to push your luck. There's no reason to test things. Secure the win with your closer on the mound and walk away from that game happy instead of with a bad taste in your mouth. So, yeah, I agree with John Schneider on that one. I can see the argument the other way, though. And, of course, I think the argument the other way is more based on emotion than anything else because seeing a guy get two complete games in, what, basically a couple weeks, right? Like, that's crazy impressive. That's something you just don't see anymore. And we talked about that before when Chris Bassett did it earlier this season. um, And... I mean, I don't expect him to have another complete game this season, but at this rate, you never know because it seems like he's getting close to it at some point. So, um, yeah, that was a really cool game to watch. Cool to see him succeed in that way. Um, I guess we should talk about some of the offense. (laughs) The offense really wasn't a standout in this series. It's kind of same old, same old for the Blue Jays at this point. Maybe the biggest change right now is Alejandro Kirk, who seems to be heating up a little bit, which is, of course, encouraging given the current Blue Jays catching situation. Bryson, you're getting a call from Jacob right now. I don't know why, but yeah, I am. You should answer it. See, we'll get him on the podcast. He's missed three in a row, so at least we can hear his voice. Oh, come on. I'll tell him the callback. I'll tell him the callback. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, (laughs) we'll get him here eventually. Anyways, Alejandro Kirk, it's encouraging that his bat is getting going after the slow start he had, and of course, with the Blue Jays' current catching situation with Danny Jansen on the injured list. Um... Everyone else seems to be just kind of keeping on, keeping on. Brandon Belt is still hot as ever. Uh, Bo Bouchette is still hot as ever. He had back-to-back games with home runs. George Springer continues to kind of just do his thing, which I don't know. There hasn't been a really like, wow, George Springer moment yet this season, but he's been, I think, somewhat quietly very consistent and solid over the past few weeks, and that's kept up. Um I don't know, Varsho is someone a lot of people are talking about. His strikeout rate is way, way down. It's at 7 points. Before today's game, it was 7.7% over his last 15 games, which is the lowest over a 15-game span in his career. So really impressive stats from him. Um, I don't know, any any general thoughts on the lineup? Like, it still isn't totally clicking, but the Blue Jays are getting the job done because they've got insane starters right now. Still disappointed, and it's starting to bother me that Vladdy hasn't homered at home. But, of course, I mean, it's eventually going to happen at some point. I mean, you, you have gotta. to imagine. It's got to. Exactly. It would have been cool for it to be on Tuesday, but whatever. Anyways, other than that, though, yeah, like, it's been status quo since the last series. I mean, the same guys that have been leading the bus continue to lead the bus. You talked about George Springer playing well. Bo Bichette's really continue to play well. You talked about Brandon Belt. I think maybe one of the new ones where you can definitely give a highlight to what you talked about at the beginning was Alejandro Kirk. I mean, of course, the biggest hit uh, for him at this in this series came yesterday on Wednesday when he came off the bench uh, late in the game and he was able to provide a key, a key hit late in the game. And, of course, it was the go-ahead single in the seventh inning. So 
that was the good part, I think, is the fact that he was able to come off the bench. And then, of course, today he started and he had the ground rule double. That probably would have scored the other or the go-ahead run at the time, but it was good enough to tie the game. In, you know, in a game where it started off slow for the offense, basically scoreless until the fifth inning. And that fifth inning is where they got all their runs, and it was just enough to squeak by the Astros. Of course, back-to-back games where they beat them 3-2. You know, Monday night was a write-off, and then, of course, Tuesday was the game where I guess they scored the most runs, or they did score the most runs, of course, and they were able to put things out of hand closer in the eighth inning, which, of course, preserved Jordan Romano for the last two games of the series which was important, and of course, Whit Merrifield also had a key double um, on Tuesday night, which was one of the big reasons for um, for that, of what I just said about Romano and everything like that. He had a big double uh, in the eighth inning. So you're seeing Bichette homer, you're seeing Varsho homer as much as it had to be reviewed, like you were talking about, Mark. But other than that, I don't even really look at the home runs from Varsho. I'm, look, I'm looking at what you're looking at in terms of less strikeouts, you know, putting the ball in play a little bit more. And the fact, you know, he's just... He's doing a better job of that of late, and he's definitely on the right track. Of course, other people still need to contribute. I still think they need to get more runs and uh, you know certain opportunities. There's definitely a couple opportunities today, especially I thought in Game Four on Thursday, where they had a lot of opportunities that they didn't capitalize on. But of course, they're finding just enough right now to get by. On top of the fact that the starting pitching's been good, on top of the fact that the bullpen's been doing really good late in games as well. Right now, it's just a really good, it's a good run right now and a good recovery from what they were on near the end of May. And I remember both of us said it. They were there. It was destined to happen after what happened at the end of May. They're going to go on an eight and two run, and that's exactly what they have been doing over the last 10 games. They've caught up to the rest of the AL East despite the Tampa Bay Rays doing whatever the heck they've been doing. I mean, at least they've caught up to the Yankees. They've caught up to the the Orioles. And, of course, now they've caught up to the Astros. They have the tiebreaker over the Astros. So right now, what they've been doing over the last 10 games, it's been enough uh, in terms of offense. I still think we need to see more, and I think there's no question towards that, that hopefully we can get to that point because – if we do, in terms of the offense being even more consistent on top of the starting pitching, that's an even better baseball team that you're talking about right now. So I think there's a lot of hope for that right now. I still think there's cautious optimism, but we still like, still haven't seen it yet. But of course, the guys who have been producing, they continue to play really, really good for this team right now. Absolutely. Um, okay, series predictions? We got three games against the Minnesota Twins. We know how the last series against the Minnesota Twins went. It was kind of the turning point for the Blue Jays coming out of that slump, rounding the corner, and now they've been on the stretch, as you mentioned, Bryson. They've won seven of their last eight games now. Um, Do you want to go first on this one? As much as I hate to say it, because I am so up in the air on what to predict for this one. I guess we can start with Jacob, because we know his. He said that uh, the Blue Jays are going to sweep this series, which I think, I don't think it's as bold as Jacob's takes normally are. Like he he said Manoa would win this game in this series. That was a terrible take, but uh, I think they could sweep it. It's tough because of the fact that now Manoa is out of the rotation. Who's pitching? is? It looks like it's going to be Bowden Francis on Saturday. The Twins aren't exactly playing good. They've been slumping even more since we last saw them. I don't know if you've seen that. I'm sure you have seen this. The AL Central now, every team is below 500. That like that division has turned into be just a complete nightmare. So Friday night, as much as the tw- okay, as much as the Twins have been, I guess slumping even more over the last couple of weeks. Sunny Gray has had a really good year. I'll. It's hard for me to say sweep, um, but you know. 
Oh, this is a tough one, Mark, making me go first. But okay. I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna say two out of three. I don't think they're gonna sweep. I think they lose Friday night, and I think they win Saturday with their spot starter, and then they win Sunday with Kevin Gosman going. I'll say that. Interesting. I was considering that. I was also considering the sweep. I was also considering that they lose Saturday. So I'm gonna go with the last option there. They take two of three, but they lose the Saturday game with the bullpen. Um, I don't know. It's a tough choice, especially with how the bullpen's been pitching, but like we haven't seen Bowden Francis. We have no idea what to expect out of him. We know what to expect out of Yusei Kikuchi as much as he is going against someone uh, like Sonny Gray and the fact that Sonny Gray has been so good this year and Yusei Kikuchi has been up and down and especially lately has been on his own little bumpy stretch. Like I think that's a game the Blue Jays can win, especially with the way the bullpen's been pitching lately. Um, I I think the the bullpen day on Saturday is sketchy just because of Bowden Francis, um, and then obviously the Gosman game. Like it's Kevin Gosman. Like <laughs> as much as it's not a guaranteed win, they're going to win that game because of Kevin Gosman on the mound. So yeah, two to three. Just to update where the standings are at, Bryson. I hate to admit it, but you had a perfect weekend. The most or the most points you can get on a week in series predictions. You had a full five points because it's a four wow. game series. And you predicted everything correctly, including which game the Blue Jays would lose. You said they would lose game one. That's how it turned out. You get five points. Uh, that's only been in once before in series prediction history, and I will claim that title. I did it the second series of the year, the Kansas City Royals. Um, Jacob is trailing. He got two points from this weekend. This week, he's at 25 points. I'm in second at 33 points. And Bryson, you are in the lead at 39 points which is just absolutely ridiculous what you've been able to do so far this run. season. You are on a run. <laughs> you, I'm going to catch you eventually, but you're anyways, still doing good though. Today. Like you I, are well, compared to Jacob. Yeah. Oh, that don't even, don't even mention him. Yeah. <laughs> He's in the dust <laughs> right now. He um, is. Okay. Well, uh, it was a fun week in Toronto. The blue Jays are sticking around for the weekend against Minnesota. As always, you can support our podcast by going to the link below this episode. There you'll find our link tree, which can send you to everywhere you listen to this podcast. It also sends you to our Discord and our Bias Coffee page to check those out. You can read and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which just helps spread the word about what we're doing. And then, as always, we'll be back when the weekend is over. Three games against Minnesota. We'll catch you then. Relax my eyes, I see flashing lights, and I'm not alone.